Nobody wins unless everybody wins. Come on! Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. I am so blessed. Blessed as in enjoying happiness, having great pleasure, contentment, and good fortune. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I am blessed to be doing this podcast and blessed to have listeners like you listening to the podcast. So thank you. I'm about to go evangelical on you. Wait for it. Please help continue my blessings by following me on social media. I can be found on IG and Twitter at the Chris Will Pod and on Facebook, the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. All right, that's awful. But I've always loved the shameless plug. I don't know why, but anybody that has the courage to self-promote gets a star in my book. Hey, if I don't do it or you don't do it, who will? Nobody's going to push your brand like you will or you can. Now, today's podcast features another St. Edward High School legend, Mr. Joe Portale. Before Bo Jackson was even an athletic thing, Joe Portale existed. He was Mr. Football in Ohio. He was the best baseball player in the state. He was a darn good wrestler. He was even a great bowler. Like the old Nike slogan, not Bo knows, but Joe knows. While Joe lived a period of his life that had everything a man could want in life, he was secretly battling a disease that would eventually take away the physical gifts that were the envy of every fan and every athlete. At the age of 24, because of multiple sclerosis, Joe Partali was done with athletics, but as you will soon hear, Joe didn't pack it up. He didn't give up. He lived his life to the fullest, and as only Joe Portali can say, what else you gonna do? The other option ain't that good. Give your life to God and keep fighting. To my listeners and to Joe Portali and his family. Why you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometime, you find, you get what you need. Keep fighting, Joe. This is the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. But 
need to try sometimes Or you might find You get what you need Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. And today, I welcome one of the greatest athletes ever in St. Edward High School history. Arguably, one of the greatest athletes to come out of the state of Ohio. He was the Ohio High School Player of the Year. He was a three-year letterman at the University of Florida. He finished his college career at Baldwin-Wallace, and he was drafted by my favorite, my beloved New York Yankees. Please, welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, Joe Portali. Joe, welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. Thanks, Chris. Not a problem, not a problem. Joe, um, again, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. So the podcast is about storytelling, and you have been blessed in so many ways. So I want you to feel free to share all your stories, okay? (laughs) Yeah, the ones I can, okay. (laughs) All right. So we absolutely have so much to cover, so let's start by talking where you grew up and how you became part of the St. Edward family. Uh, I was born in uh, I was born in Lakewood, uh, where St. Ed's is, but we uh, we soon had uh, three kids and the house was too small, and uh, so we moved out to uh, North Olmstead, another suburb of Cleveland, and uh, that's where I grew up in North Olmstead, Ohio. Okay. Okay, and and so how did you learn about St. Ed's, or how did you become part of the St. Edward family? Where'd you go to grade school, by the way? Well, okay, I you know it's a long story, but I went to um, well, I lived in Lakewood. I went to St. James, and then we went to North Homestead. I went to St. Brendan's, and I played uh, baseball and football for St. Brendan's, and um, in one game, my mom was in the stands. And the head coach from uh, St. Ed's went and tapped on my mom's shoulder and said, uh, Mrs. Portelli, your son's going to St. Ed's next year. And uh, I had no idea, you know, up to eighth grade. I, had no, I hadn't even thought about high school or where I was going. And that's it. The kids gave me a full scholarship, and I was on my way. Nice, nice. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your experience, your time at St. Ed's. So what was your experience like? Well, you know, it was actually, you know, having all guys there was a great experience. Um, people will say, you know, that you, you don't get the full environment by not having women around and whatnot. Um, but I went to, I went to school all the way up in seventh grade. I went to North Homestead schools. In seventh grade, they sent me to North Homestead Junior High, and I had more trouble in seventh grade than I've ever had in my life. North Homestead was in like a pod system, so all the schools that were in this pod system, all the kids ended up into North Homestead Junior High, and it was literally, you know, guys, girls, and everything, and it was trouble from day one. And... uh, that's why I went to the football coach at St. Brendan's, and I said, hey, listen, you let me into St. Brendan's, or I can't play football for you next year. So they, they let me right into St. Brendan's. And, uh, and then, you know, St. Ed's gave me a full scholarship. And uh, being in all the guy schools, just really great. I mean, you didn't have those pressures. You didn't have to, you know, worry about girls all the time. There were plenty of girls who were all girls' schools around us. Uh, St. Augustine, Magnificat, St. Joe's. Um, so there were plenty of girls. Um, but you didn't have to go to school with them every day. You didn't have to look your best. You didn't have to worry about what you said, you know. Yes, yes. I remember those days. So, so Joe, so you, you talk about the St. Ed's, you know, they, they offered you a scholarship, so for those who only know you by name and in the record books and your legendary tales, can you tell listeners just how big and fast were you, you know, not only when you, when you were younger before you came to St. Ed's and then when you were at St. Ed's, how much you grew, and then describe your running style as well as, you know, how you could hit the cover off of a baseball. Well, they, uh, 
you know, I was eighth grade. I was uh, I was um, like almost six foot, one hundred hundred seventy five pounds. And when I went to Ed's and came out of Ed's, I was six two, two twenty five, and I ran a four seven forty. Um, but um, I played baseball so well that you know I was drafted right out of St. Ed's by George Steinbrenner. George Steinbrenner himself came and recruited me to go to the University of Florida and play for the Gators. And so what I did was I went to Florida and I started three years on the football team. And when baseball season would roll around, I would go down to spring training with the Yankees. And so uh, that's what I did until they fired the head coach at Florida. And I had to get out of there. And my uh, folks said, you know, can you go somewhere where it would be closer for us to come watch you play games? And so that I remembered that Bob Wallace always had, always had a good team. And we had to run out BW Stadium because ours wasn't big enough at uh, – at St. Ed's, and we had to rent it out for all the crowds we were bringing in. Um, and oh, so wow. uh, that was it. I called Lee Trussell up at Baldwin Wallace and uh, asked him if he remembered me, and he says, yeah, you're Ohio Player of the Year. I asked him if he needed a running back and had number 37 available, and he said both yeses. And I said, well, can I set up an appointment? And uh, I flew up from Florida and was in his office the next day with my mom, and Transferred into BW. Okay, That's what I did. Okay, nice, nice. And and we're going to get into the you know the tales from BW. We'll also talk a little bit about the Florida, but you know talk about when you were playing at St. Ed's, what that was like, and how good you guys were. I I, I don't think people remember how good that team was that you were a part of. The my senior year at Ed's. We just we beat everybody so bad that you know I'd be out of the game at halftime. I mean, I get two two hundred yards and just like hundred yards and two touchdowns and be out maybe one uh, one other uh, in the third quarter. They let us go in for one more series in the third quarter. We used to march up and down the field on the other teams, and there was didn't have to be a defense. I I averaged five yards a carry, and it was. First down, first down, first down, first down, first down, touchdown. And um, we just beat every – you know, we – we nobody wanted to play us. So we had the toughest schedule. And we had on the, on the schedule our uh, – it's like our fourth game of the season was against Warren Western Reserve, who had won the state championship just two years before. And um, they must have brought the whole city of Warren. To BW to watch us play that night, and uh, we we scored the first eight times we got the ball. We went down and scored. We were so terrified, and uh, I had four touchdowns that game, and and uh, we beat them fifty six to twenty eight, and uh, that was it. We ended up first in the state and didn't really look back until you know the last game of the season, which was a bad story in itself, but. Um, that was it. They were that good. Okay. All right. And then you, you talk about the last game of the season. That was the state finals against Cincinnati Moeller. So what yeah. do you remember about that game? Oh, I remember that we were, we were down and we were on our own 20 yard line and they gave him the ball three times, one pass and two runs. And I took it all the way down to their 16-yard line. And I was ready to win the game. I mean, I was just, you know, foaming at the mouth. I was ready to go. And they called for pass play, and the quarterback fumbled the ball. And I could have jumped on the ball, but I he went to pick it up, and I thought for sure he had it, and he didn't. And I could have picked up the ball and just ran right up the middle with it, where I could have just, again, jumped on it. But I thought he was going to pick it up and – continue on with the play, and he didn't. He he kind of, both of his arms went different ways, and the ball went a different way, and they recovered it, and we ended up losing the game we should have never lost to because uh, we were we were the better team that day. There was no question that we were better. Okay. 
right. And who who were some of the guys that you played with? Who were some of the guys that were on the St. Nets team with you, Joe? Oh, Dan McHugh was the quarterback, and and uh, Chris Boba was one of the running backs, and Dan McAvoy was the receiver. Mike Sweeney was a lineman. Scott Pullman was my center. Uh, Scott Pullman was like 160 pounds. He was a wrestler. I mean, he came from St. Brendan's with me to St. Ed's. He's a little guy, and we were having a bad game one game, and I had to go, you know, where our, our – huddles were, the running backs were in the back, so I had to go from the back to the front, and I had to go to him, and I said, listen, you only got to face this guy today. I said, but you got to face me the rest of the year. I said, you don't have to really block him. Just just have him go one way or the other way. I'll go, you know, whatever way he goes, I'll go the other way. It's just, just get in his way and make him go one way or another, and that was it, and we ended up winning that game pretty good. After that, it was like, you know, like, you know, just, you know, don't don't worry about it so much. Just, you know, I get the ball five yards deep. I've got a five-yard head start before I hit that line of scrimmage. And so uh, if I hit you in the hole, you're going back five yards. There's just no way. <laughs> you know, 6'2", 225, 4'7", 40, I'm, I'm going to hit you head up. Head up. Yes. Talk about concussions. Yeah, I had a hand out of fuel back then. <laughs> so, so how would you describe your running style? So, and in that era, it was you know, Larry Zonka was a legend during that time. Would you well, would you say you were in that class? Yeah, that's what they always said that I ran like like Larry Zonka. Um, um, but I had I had decent speed, but I ran you know. When you run up the middle, I mean that's what, that's what you get. I mean it's an art running, running into that kind of traffic and everything like that. Because not only do you gotta worry about defensive linemen, but then you got a linebacker standing there too. But again, if you got a head five yard head start and you hit him right there in the hole, I mean he's going backwards, or or you just sit there and look him in the eye and knowing that the tackle's going to come by and wipe him out on a. Uh, on trap play, uh, that was kind of one of the best plays because he used to be able to look the guy right in the eye and knew that he was just just about to get smashed and you were going to go right by and keep going. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Okay. All right. Now, what game in your St. Ed's career stands out to you the most? Is it the Warren Harding game or is there another game that you like to relive? Um, no, um, well, it was Western Reserve, but it wasn't Harding. They had, uh, they had split up all the schools. Sorry. They had split up all the schools in Warren, and Western Reserve kind of got everybody. Um, which game when I go back and do again? Um, I guess it would be that Moeller game, because I would have picked that ball up and just should just jump down and picked it up and run it right up the middle. It was only five yards or six yards. I'd have, I'd have made it into the end zone or, or you know, they'd have given me the ball in the next play for sure instead of the dumb, stupid pass play they called. Um, okay. No idea why they did that. Gotcha. Now, now, you were part of the run and shoot. You guys were running the run and shoot at the time, so you were the yeah. fullback. Yes. Yeah, the run and okay. shoot was an awesome offense. It was just awesome. Just okay. You know, you could, you could, you could, you, yeah, you, you could just throw the ball to receivers really quick. You had, um, you had slot slot backs to put in motion, and uh, you could hand the ball off to or you know fake it. They never knew, even though I was the only guy in the backfield most of the time. Um, you never knew if I was getting the ball or not. And like the end, if you didn't know and I had it, it was too late for you. You know, either you were in that, you were in that hole first or I was there with you. And uh, and I'm the one that had, you know, the five-yard head start. So, so that, that would have made a big difference. When I was recruited to go to St. Ed's, 
they were running the run and shoot, and then we switched over to the I formation uh, my sophomore year. So I enjoyed my freshman year playing in the run and shoot because it was you it was wide open, and I you know I was the slot guy, so I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I moved you around, yeah. get you the ball out in space. So yeah, oh, that's, so I remember that's what those you got. days. Yeah, one on one with a one on one with defensive back or safety. <laughs> mm-hmm. He wanted to fall on the ground and just die or hide. <laughs> they don't want, want to hit you head on. That was for sure. You know, so yeah, running shoe was a great offense. You know, people yeah. who never saw the running shoot or have no idea. You know, it's not an eye or a wishbone or a split back or anything. The running shoot's cool. It's got so much motion. You have no idea where the ball's going. No idea. Yes. So, and I I always compare it to, the, it to today's game with the spread offenses. You know, they they don't run the motion as much, but it's so wide open, and the ways the different ways they can get you the ball. It's very similar to what they do today. Yes. Yes. Well, nobody really runs motion anymore. I mean, they they really don't. I mean, they'll send a guy in motion, or they'll send him out. You know. He'll go out to a slot position and become a receiver or whatever, but um, you don't see too often that they pitch the guy the ball and, you know, let him go one-on-one with a, uh, an end who's being blocked. And, um, you know, it's a good way to gain four or five yards because um, you got a head start running and uh, the guy's got a blocker right on him. And you just, you know, you can either hit him I was big enough to hit him. I didn't try to run away from the guys all the time. I wasn't a scat back, so I just I just hit him and plow, you know, four or five yards of carry was good enough. I mean, you know, you may have to hit a home run with every play. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. First, down, now I want first, to talk. Down, first downs and touchdowns were the important thing. Yes, moving the chains. Moving the chain yeah. and score. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and Joe, I want to talk to you about your baseball career at St. Ed's. What was it like playing at St. Ed's, playing baseball at St. Ed's, and how good were you in high school? Well, you know, um, I played – I grew up in North Homestead where they have, they have uh, diamonds. They have – like eight, nine diamonds out in the western part of uh, North Olmstead, and that's where the all the guys went, all the teams went, all the kids growing up went. So I played baseball since I was a kid. So um, when I went to Ed's, you know, um, the older guys weren't real happy because I was a younger guy, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, I'm starting a lineup, and they just, you know, they, they were real happy about it. But um, I was a catcher, number one, and then when I went into the batting cage and hit the ball, that you know, the kids used to come from all around the gym. When I was in the batting cage, they used to come in from all over the gym and watch me in because Father, who was, uh, had one of the jugs machines, he cranked the thing up to 100 miles an hour and just ripping fastballs at me. And I would just stand in there and just smash them. And uh, so the kids came from all over to watch that. And um, and then we went, like I said, when I was on the team, and the older guys would grow gruff except for the pitchers because the pitchers would say to them, hey, he's, he's not getting runs for me, and we're scoring runs, and we're winning games, and I'm winning. You know, so the, the pitchers, the older pitchers, you know, they defended me against the – the other guys who wanted to were older. You know, that's the thing about Ed's is that Ed's, every year, every year, you know, the players, you know, they recruit and they had, they had a good team. And then the next year they have, you know, a good team and a good team. And for you to go through those older guys and end up on the same team, uh, you know, they didn't, you know, they thought guys, only guys their age and their class should be playing not the younger guys, but when they saw me hitting the baseball and everything, they didn't really say too much about it. And, 
when we play other teams, you know, the you could tell the coaches on the other teams because they would talk to Tommy John about it and everything like that. And uh, that's how I made, you know, that's how you end up all state and all American and, and drafted and everything. People are talking about you. And it's usually the, the, the coaches from the other teams are talking about you. It's not necessarily your guys doing the talking up because all coaches do that. They talk up their own players. It's when the coaches from the other teams are talking you up. That's when you know you've got something going on. So okay. soon, you know, we heard drift there were Yankees, you know, there were scouts in the, you know, watching the games and there was Yankee scout there and stuff like that. And we heard all that stuff and didn't know who the people were, but heard that there were scouts there watching the games. And that helped with the other guys on the team. There's one that the Orioles were going to draft him. He was a pitcher and a couple of the guys, and even when I went to BW, there were two or three other guys off our team because they were there watching me all the time that uh, ended up in the minors with other teams. And, you know, it didn't hurt them at all, the fact that, that I was playing baseball on their team with them. It was, it was good for them, actually. So it worked out. Yes. Everything worked out. Good. All you got to do, do is win. Win, baby, win. That's it. That's it. It draws everybody. Everybody loves a winner. Winner. So, so do, you re- do you remember the first time the Yankees reached out to you? And what was that like for you? What, what kind of thrill did you get from that? Oh. Oh. I see it's a long story, but I um, I went to the University of Florida on a recruiting trip. It wasn't one of my original trips, but they they asked me to go, and so I went. And when I went down there, uh, George Steinbrenner himself was there recruiting me to go to the University of Florida. He was moving his operations from Lorraine. He was moving them down to Tampa, and, and uh, I'm Ohio Player of the Year, and if he could get me down there and everything, it was going to be good for him and good for me, too. And so uh, so that was it. You know, met the owner of the team. I mean, how do you go wrong from there? Like I used to tell my mom, I said, how do I tell Mr. Steinbrenner no? She goes, well, I don't know how you got to tell Mr. Steinbrenner no. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so that's 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 what happened with that. And then, because uh, uh, Woody Hayes was at the house twice, you know, I'm a hard player of the year. I mean, you know, and that's where I should have gone to school, so Ohio State. But like I said to mom, again, you know, how do you tell Mr. Steinberg no? And my mom was having problems back then with her vision, and there was, wasn't a lot they could do in Cleveland for her anymore, so... Uh, I told that to Mr. Steinbrenner, and uh, so he got a doctor in New York. Of course, he had all the hotel rooms there because he had to have them for players and everything. So mom had her insurance with Ford, and uh, so she just paid for her own airplane ticket, fly to New York, stay in one of the hotels, and uh, go to the eye doctor in New York, and she didn't go blind. I mean, doctor stopped it. Whatever it was, he eventually stopped it. Um and that was it. So, so that that was it. I mean, you know, I was going to tell Mr. Steinberg no after that, right? Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Uh, so, yeah. And Joe Portale, you weren't just a great football and baseball player at St. Ed's. You also played some other sports. So, tell us a little bit about the other sports that you played while you were at St. Ed's. Oh, you know. It's, I had wrestled in eighth grade uh, at St. Fredman's, and I was city champ, heavyweight city champ. First year I ever wrestled, I won the city championship heavyweight. And uh, so I went to I went to Ed's, and they wanted me to wrestle, and I didn't really want to wrestle, but Howard Ferguson was there. And Howard Ferguson was had a way of, uh, of uh, making me see it his way, you know, like, there was one girl, she was cheerleader, uh, Kathy Sabetic. I'll never forget her. She was gorgeous. But uh, she was a year younger than I was, and she was his niece, and I wanted to date with her. So he offered me um, 
his car. He offered me uh, a date with uh, Kathy and um, and uh, his credit card take her to a nice place and everything like that. Well, all I had to do was wrestle with this kid from Paddle and pin him. Well, I had to lose like 27 pounds in three days to get down to weight, which I did because, you know, your body's filled with water. And if you stop drinking, you know, you just, you know, and hit the sauna every day and everything. So it was just all water weight that came off. And um, and I threw the guy all over the map and everything. I beat him. Superior decision, but I couldn't pin him up. Just too weak to pin him, and uh, I beat him like nine to two or something like that, and um, and that was it. But then, so it wasn't just wrestling. I I grew up in North Olmstead, which the only place to do anything other than baseball and football and everything was we had a bowling alley there, Buckeye Buckeye Lanes, which you know um, was a, a first top-notch place. They used to have national tournaments there where they have Johnny Petraglia and then they have Earl Anthony and then they have some just great bowlers. And So I used to go up there and bowl all the time. And uh, so I went to the coach at St. Ed's who was a math teacher and I said, you know, I said, you know, I can bowl. And he looks at me and I'm like, sure, you know, you play football, you play baseball, you wrestle, everything you bowl to. I said, listen, just have a shirt there for me Saturday. I'll come down. If you don't think I'm any good, then, uh, you know, then I won't bother you again. So I went down Saturday. He had a shirt for me there. I don't know where he found a big enough shirt, but um, but that was it. And uh, I ended up with high average on the, on the bowling team. And they were pretty, pretty surprised when saw that I could bowl, you know, that I wasn't just up there just throwing, that I actually – you know, went up there, was able to slide, had a hook in my uh, in my uh, in my delivery, and bam, strike, strike, strike. And I think they were pretty stunned by that. And then the guys from all over the league, it was funny because the guys from all over the league, I mean, bowlers are not the biggest guys. They're not your football players. They're, you know, they're they're little guys, but but they uh, they're good bowlers and. Uh, and uh, and so they didn't, you know, I, all of a sudden I'm sitting next to them and I'm there on the lanes with them. No wonder what's this big-ass guy doing here bowling like this. But, you know, they, you can read about, they're reading about me from the night before in the newspapers, and there I am on the bowling lanes with them. And, uh, and uh, so they know what to do. So they, I didn't go to practice on Saturdays because I was they had bowling. And so they asked the coach, where's Portali at? It's, you know, is he supposed to be your practice? And he said, no, he's down to your UV Lanes on the bowling team. And so he wrote this big article on me, uh, front page of the sports, that I was down to your UV Lanes bowling and everything like that. And uh, and all the guys started coming up to me, the guys I was bowling with, because they'd never gotten any publicity at all about bowling, you know, and uh, all of a sudden there's this huge article about the bowling lanes down the Airview and how all the schools had a bowling teams and everything down there that went, you know, I mean, it was like, you know, playing football or baseball, you played against another team, but it was bowling. And so the owner of the place comes up to me, the Italian guy, very nice older gentleman, and he says to me, he said, I never got any publicity here ever. He says, you know, thank you very much. And, you know, and like everybody was just really nice to me after that, and I didn't do anything. Just they bowled. I mean, you know, I'm surprised they found a shirt big enough for me because all those bowling shirts are usually <laughs> smaller, smaller guys. Yeah, I'm gonna put it out and I'm gonna stretch it and rip it out. You know, so that was it. Uh, I love. So I let it. I let it in bowling. I let it in bowling. I let it in baseball, football. Uh, I don't know if I got that letter for wrestling. I should have got that letter for wrestling. But I lettered in uh, in four sports. It adds, yeah, I played basketball but uh, freshman year, but I had to go from basketball practice to wrestling practice. And I was so wiped out by the time I got home. Because, you know, I lived in North Olmstead and St. Ed's in Lakewood. And so mm-hmm. unless you had a guy with a car, 
which for the first two years, nobody knew. And father had to come pick them up or whatever. But you had to, you know, hitchhike. You'd have to hitchhike to school or hitchhike home back in the old days. And people would see yeah. you, and they get used to seeing you, and they would pick you up, you know? And then they figured, yes. because you had a certain tie-on, you know, and then they figured out, you know, and then you tell me what's going to Ed's. And then when I got to be a junior, I got a varsity coach, so it's St. Ed's on it. And it was no problem for people to pick me up and everything. It was actually uh, pretty cool. Um, uh, Lakewood, the because uh, we had lived in Lakewood, um, my best friend, his parents, my mom had met his mom. They were both walking strollers together, and that's how they met. And his father ended up being the chief of police for Lakewood while I was going to school to say that. So the police officers would pick me up and everything take me to the line and set me up with maybe another police officer, if they could, who would take me to the next. You know, because it's it's 8.30 at night, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's hard to get home, but to sit at home at, at that late at night. So, so yeah, people were, you know, by the time I got to my senior year, well, of course I had a car and everything like that, but people were very good to me from my junior year on. When I started hitting the newspapers all the time, people were very very good to me. They really did. I got nothing but good to say about people in Lakewood and North Olmstead because they were just wonderful people. You know, my senior year, my senior year, Lakewood's football team, they go nine to one. Their only their only loss was to me, to our team. And uh, North Olmstead that year, they go nine to one. Of course we didn't play North Olmstead. We're not the one to beat them. But, you know, we go 10-0, and, and I could have played for either Lakewood or, or North Olmstead, and I ended up dead heads. So, you know. Oh, wow. You know, I, I, wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade my my high school years for anything. I really wouldn't. Okay. Okay. All right. And, and do you have any memories of, of playing in Gainesville, playing in the swamp at the University of Florida? Yeah, well, they didn't call it necessarily Swamp back then. But, oh, yeah, I remember playing there. Sure. I mean, I started <laughs> freshman year. I started freshman year there and everything like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about cheerleaders. Talk about women. I mean, I go from an all-guy school to a school in the University of Florida, 60,000, 30,000 of more white uh, women, and gorgeous, just gorgeous women. Gorgeous, and it's like, oh my God, what happened to me? You know, what the, you know, what lottery did I hit? You know, I go to classes, <laughs> and and you know, the coach would say, well, we got a recruit coming in and everything like that. Can you think you can find them a date? So I could just walk up to any girl in the class, you know, grab the best looking girl and say, hey, listen, I got a recruit coming in today, and can you find a date for me and everything? And we'll go out tonight and everything like that, and it, you know. The most gorgeous girl in the class, the ones that you wouldn't even walk up and say anything to because, you know, they were too, too good looking. I mean, guys know this. You didn't walk up to the best looking girl because the best looking girl could have anybody she wanted. Why would she want you? <laughs> and the, the, girl, the girl would look at me and say, yeah, sure. No, it's all right. I can get a date out sorority and, yeah, pick us up at this time and everything is that easy. Well, one year, one year, I was dating a girl in a sorority, Katie, she's a Katie lady, and uh, they were going to the Bahamas, and uh, 24 girls, and uh, they told her to bring me. So I went to the Bahamas with 24 girls, you know, to watch out for them and everything on, on the trip and everything. They took me on their, uh, on their trip, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Oh, that's a little better than pretty cool, Joe. <laughs> you know, and I just had to watch out for them and everything, make sure that the locals didn't have some at all, which only happened like mm-hmm. one time and everything. And I used to just wave my finger at them and just like, you know, like get out of here. And they, they used to just, people used to just disappear. I mean, even when I was at Ed's and everything, we'd go out uh, and everything like that. And 
friend would walk up to me and say, Joe, we're going to be in a fight and everything. I said, with who? And he'd say, those guys over there. And I'd look over at these guys and I'd just wave my finger, no, nah, we're not, get out of here. And they just scoot. Well, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a little guy. I mean, I was a big guy. And, uh, you know, if you're going to fight with me, you know, you're going to lose a piece of you somewhere. You know, you're not, you're not going to get into a fight and, and just beat the hell out of me. That wasn't going to happen. And I was going to get a pretty good piece of you. So if you wanted to take a risk at it, go ahead. Otherwise, you know, if I don't want to do it, you don't really want to do it, so get out of here. And that was it. Never, I've been three, three fights in my life. And, uh, and I felt bad about it. You know, I beat them up pretty bad, and but I didn't start them at all. But I finished okay. them all, all three okay. of them. <laughs> I finished them pretty bad. You know, I was, I was, I played it. How could you, how could you be, you know, a big guy, smart ass with all the girls and everything like that, and uh, smoking cigarettes and everything, and want to fight somebody like me? You know, I played baseball, football, I wrestled. You know, how, how could you really want to? You know, I'm a, I'm a chiseled athlete. I was in the one fight, and I beat the guy so bad that they wanted to sue me. We had to get our attorney and everything. And my attorney said, you know, Joe, you know, I, I'm not going to be, you know, you didn't start it and everything. He says, but, you know, you're, you're a conditioned athlete. He's, I'm not going to be able to protect you if you, you know, you mess up people this bad anymore. And, uh, you know, it's, well, you know, it's, well, he knew how to fight, and my dad had taught me how to fight. And it wasn't like I got on the ground with the guy. You know, I, was, I knew how to box, and I would just okay. smash the face a little bit, and then they'd go to grab me and, uh, you know, try to wrestle me down the ground. And that was a big mistake because you're not wrestling me to the ground. I wrestled. I'm going to smash you. I'm going to get on top of you. I'm going to pin both of your arms with my legs, and I'm going to start wailing away at your face. And uh, I, that happened. I, I fought a guy at Ed's, one of the other football players, and everything. he did something that was really, I couldn't stand it. After four years, in four years, I had four years enough of them. And, uh, and I went looking for him. I knew he'd be smoking out in front of school, and I went to get him. And I just, it took two other football players to pull me off of him and everything. Cause oh, wow. I kind of, yeah, he keeps bleeding pretty good. And uh, I don't know, and I never got never got hurt in one of the fights. I didn't start them, and I didn't, you know, I didn't. I wasn't a bully. I didn't go out looking for anything or anything like that. Matter of fact, if somebody would say something, I'd just go talk to them and said, hey, "It's not a good idea." I remember Gina Men, Sanji at the time. Oh, he's like six five, two fifty. Yeah, huge guy. He's huge, and he comes to me, and you know. Guys used to just grab guys and slam them up against the locker. And everything, me, he comes up to me, puts his arm around my shoulders and everything. He says, Joe, he says, you know, I heard about the fight. He says, I go ask somebody, I get uh, 100 different, uh, I get 100 different stories. He says, I think they'll be coming to ask you what happened. And so I told him. And then he says, well, let me know if you have any more problems. Because the guy had an older brother. I was senior year. I had an older brother who came up, took a swing at me and everything, and I had to go to Sandy and I said, listen, he, he, he took a swing at me. I said, do you want me to handle it? He said, no. He says, I know you can handle it, but I'll handle it for you. So that was good. Never heard another, never heard another word from his older brother. Never, never heard a word after that. Oh, I said, I can awesome. take care of it. You know, you know, well, you know, you go to a school like Ed's and you're a freshman and you're, you're all the same. I mean, you know, you know, it takes a while for you to grow into your body and the teachers and everything. He had a teacher, an English teacher, Mr. Glassnap, Tommy Glassnap, great guy now. Yes. Now that no yes. longer your teacher, what a great guy. He'll never, ever figure out how we cheated and passed his English test. Because this English test was one of the most vicious English tests in the world. And he never figured out how he cheated and, uh, and passed that test. And I never <laughs> told him how he did it and everything. 
me and Tommy Satello, and um, that was it. But we, we passed it because, you know, it was one of those classes freshman year that was, the, you know, uh, you know, you either make it or you break it. You know, that was it. You, if you don't pass this class, you're out of school. So, you're out of there, uh, yes. Yeah, so, and you were, you know, you were, <laughs> I was never the smartest guy in the room, ever, ever. So, you know, did you ever uh, take a look at my, uh, at my thing on Facebook? It says, Joe Tally and it says, where you went to school, and it says, I went to uh, University of Florida, and what did you study in, in marketing, uh, marketing and Julie Connell? And with the BW, what did you study? And I said, well, marketing finance and Renee Panettone. I mean, those, those, are, the two girls I those are the two girls I studied when I went to school. I, 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 uh, I spent more time with them with the, than with the books open, that's for sure. So uh, and they kept me focused, and I, uh, I made it to school. They helped um, you get through it. Everybody needs an assist sometimes. Everybody needs some help, right. I love it. We had, one, love guy, it. We had so, one guy in the hall. We had one guy in the hall, and all of a sudden, his sister comes to see him. And she's gorgeous and blonde and everything like that. And I go, who's that? He said, well, that's my sister. I said, really? I said, you don't mind if I sleep with him. He said, you're not the dinner. Two weeks later, I'm out with her, and uh, he's just, you know, putting his, you know, he's just holding his head saying, I can't believe it. You know, I'm not that bad looking, okay? You know, she obviously didn't think so either. She wanted to go out with me. I didn't force her, you know, so that was funny. She interfered with I love it. Turning around with her life and everything. Yeah, right. Just, you know, I met a lot of good people during during college. A lot of good people. I had one, like I said, that one attorney, She, he worked with my mom at General Motors, and he used to handle stuff for me just to handle them for me, you know, just because it was no big deal, and he was a big-time attorney, and when he just talked to people and everything, they just, you know, he'd they pretty much back off, you know, because they didn't want any problems with him. And so he was just wonderful for me. And uh, so that's how you that's how you meet people and you know, you know, you learn from other people and you just get out with your wife and and you don't run over other people and you just you're a nice guy and because you've always been a nice guy and it's not a bad thing being a nice guy. And um and that's what you do. You just keep, you know, one day or the other, just keep going. That's what I'm doing now. Just one day to the next. Just keep going. Yeah. And you talk about keep going. So you finished at BW, you graduate, and you get drafted again by the Yankees. So yeah, well, you actually you actually got called up. So talk about the excitement that you had playing in the big leagues, and then. Tell listeners what happened, you know, what was diagnosed, why you had to stop playing baseball. Well, what happened was, it's kind of a funny story, but um, um, Steinbrenner recruited me to go to Florida. And um, so he drafted me freshman year out of uh, Ed's, and then sophomore year out of the or second time was my was in the sophomore junior year out junior year out of BW. Got transferred back to BW and I couldn't play football, but I could play baseball. So I had a bang up year, and the Yankees drafted me again. And uh, I didn't sign. I waited till football season, and I took them to a ten and zero record. Had a thousand yards, could have had five thousand. But Trussell didn't want to run it up on the other teams. And uh, he was a great guy, Lee Trussell. He was dying of cancer. He kept going to chemo, uh, you know, to get chemo almost every day. And just what a great guy he was. He was Jim Trussell's uh, father who took Ohio State to those national championships and everything. But his wife, Eloise, they were like 
a father mothered me when I came back from Florida because I got pretty wrecked up with that Florida stuff and what's time and all that. And they were just wonderful to me. But I, uh, like I said, I thousand yards took into a ten goal season. Could have had five thousand yards easy. And he said, you know, you break every record here, they'll never be touched. And uh, so I understood what he was saying. I mean, the kind of one fair me just dropping it for one year and rewriting all the record books. But uh, so it was all right. So after the season's over, uh, Yanks calling. Of course, you know, I'm signing. I go down to, uh, to Florida to play with the Yankees. Break it into Sarasota. And uh, so uh, I'm doing all right. I hit the shit out of the baseball, though. I mean, people used to come and watch and batting practice and everything. I need 10 to 15 balls out of the park. Just just crushing the ball. And uh, second year with the Yankees, second year, all of a sudden my eye starts to twitch. I go to an eye doctor. He uh, sends me to a neurologist. They don't seem to be able to figure it out. But I guess they're talking to Mr. Steinbrenner and tell him it can't be a good thing. You know, so uh, so season ends. My last game, uh, you know, home run and a, a single. So I got two before my last game. I crushed that home run. He had to hit it 400 feet easy, if not farther. And um, um, so I go home and then... Eventually, uh, Judy Caprero is an eye or a neurologist. She's at Lorraine, and she diagnosed me with the MS, and uh, that was it. Multiple sclerosis, and I was done. Twenty-four years old, I was over. So uh, it was it. It's time to get on. I'd already gone back in the off seasons while I was playing with the Yankees, and I finished up BW in double major in marketing and finance. So when I got a job, and uh, by the time I was 30, I'm running two divisions of a corporation and uh, flying around on a little jet. We had our own little jet, flying around and giving speeches. We're buying companies, and we go in like you know, like uh, undercover boss and show it's on. I'd go in as an employee, figure out what's wrong with the company, and I'd. Uh, Go to fix it, I'd be on the other side of that desk firing people or rehiring people. So uh, it was kind of cool back then and everything. And I'm making big bucks, and uh, you know, parents want, want grandkids and meet a, meet a girl in church at a friend of mine's wedding in Washington, D.C., over to Cleveland, and uh, get married by a house. You do all the things that you're supposed to do. I, I did all those things. Ended up with three kids. Um, uh, she had endometriosis, so she wasn't supposed to have kids anyways, but uh, went through everything with her. So we had the first one when we came back from the honeymoon, and uh, and then we had a set of twins. There were eight eggs. If her eggs had been any good, we might have had quite a few kids, and uh, that oh, wasn't wow. the case. Yeah, it, it was... Unbelievable. Well, the first we had a, you know, number one, they said she couldn't get pregnant. So, you know, we get married. I can't take her on a honeymoon. I'm on the two divisions of the company, and I can't take her. I'm on an airplane all the time to go to Milwaukee, and uh, I just can't. So I tell her, listen, I can't take her on a honeymoon. We'll go next year. So the next year, I take her to Japan, Korea. Well, you got to go to Korea. South Korea is just incredible. Uh, so we go to Japan, Korea, and we take a side trip back in uh, Hawaii. So instead of a week, you know, on a honeymoon, she got a month, and uh, plus all she could buy in, in Korea because it's it's like Mexico except the high tech stuff. You can buy you can buy all day in in Korea. It's a beautiful place to go. We always stayed at a Hyatt Resort. Um, so, so things weren't bad. I mean, she was, she was an accountant, and so I let her handle all the money and the books and everything. All I did was my job was to make the money. Her job was to, to take care of it. Um, and I didn't know until years later what a mistake that was, but, but, uh, oh, that's too bad. 
Yeah, well, it was too bad. But after the divorce, I figured how much money she'd been able to uh, steal and send it off to her daddy down in Kentucky, and uh, that was that. So, but I got three kids that are wonderful kids, and I got two grandkids now. I'm expecting more grandkids one of these days soon. But I didn't get married until I was 30, so... You know, it's not like, you know, I jumped in the bed, got married to the first girl I, I ever dated. So, so that was that. She came down with the MS, and, you know, you know, I had to change my whole life, and, you know, it's like, get on with it. Okay. Now, Joe, you talked about the eye twitch. What were some of the other signs that something was was wrong with you? Well, the eyes started twitching, and, you know, with a 96-mile-hour fastball, a little difficult. Um, but I was walking back to the, uh, I was walking back to the, uh, you know, apartments where we stayed and everything, and all of a sudden my right leg went out on me. And so I went right down to the ground, and uh, that was it. So, yeah, I started twitching, and the right leg went, but the right leg came back because I'm out there running every day and practicing. I'm playing, um, but that was it. And like I said, they sent me to a neurologist. I'm sure the guy had a good idea, but, but back then, MS wasn't, you know, wasn't a common ailment. You know, can't say, oh, yeah, the guy's got a cold or the guy's got the flu. Or, you know, MS was almost unheard of back then. So, okay. so that's where I was at. Okay. Uh, it's been a lifelong battle, so how tough has that been for you, battling MS? Uh, 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 it's not like something you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. There is no cure for it. And um, But with all the things they're, they're working on, who knows? You know, this is like everybody, even when I first got it when I was 20, well, I was 24. You know, that, uh, you know, someday, you know, someday hopefully we'll find something that will take care of this. And so that's it. You just wait and hope that someday they, they find something that will take care of it. Because it's not easy to live with. I mean, this is the first time I had an attack. I'm actually not walking. Right now I'm not walking at all. I mean, it used to be for all these years, you know, you couldn't tell that I had a mouse. Um, but now that I can't walk, I mean, I mean it's pretty obvious that something's wrong okay. with me. Got you. I got you. Now, if there's any advice, any piece of advice that you could give to someone who's listening that's battling MS or any other crippling disease, what would you say to them? That's, um, what's your other option? What, are you going to quit? What are you going to do? Kill yourself? What, what are you going to do? They, uh, look what Trump did. He had this uh, disease that was killing people. He got everybody ramped up on it. All of a sudden, they got a cure for it in less than a year. And uh, would normally take five, four or five years if they ever find a cure for it, right? So mm-hmm. you, you can't, you know, who knows? Who knows, with all they've had to do to get this cure for COVID, who knows that they don't use part of it and come up with a cure for whatever you've got, you know, cancer or MS or or any of the other diseases out here. None of them are good, but nobody gets out of here alive. You know, and I, believe me, I went to St. James, St. Brendan, St. Ed, and I had four years of theology, and, uh, and nobody gets out of here alive. And if you don't, I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ. You get you got problems right there. You know, you better go figure out what you really need to do with yourself so that you're okay with yourself and where you're going because Jesus said, you know, if you deny me here on earth, when we get to heaven, you know, I might deny you. So, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you really need to get into it and understand what, you know, nobody's, nobody can say that you're alive. You, you know, nobody got put here for, you know, you have no idea why you got put here. 
but now you're here. It's time to do something with yourself that's positive, that when you get out of here, you'll, you'll be happy at least in the direction you're headed. That's all. Gotcha. That's good. That's good. And, and Joe, by far personally, this has been one of my favorite podcasts talking to you. So I'm going to add you to my prayers. I ask my listeners to pray for you also, and so thank you for taking the time. But before we leave, I want to end on a high note. So what is the greatest compliment that anyone has ever given Joe Portale? Uh, the greatest compliment. Wow. Uh, I, you know, my mother and my father were just gold to me, even though they were divorced and everything. Uh, my father never went far. My father was always there. My mother was always there. And they were always there for everything I had to do. And they just encouraged me and kept with me and kept pushing me along. So, um, you know, I could talk about Renee. I could talk about Julie. I could talk about all the girls that, that um, you know, that kept me going in, you know, school and, Make sure I got the grades and make sure I stayed in there. You know, my mom used to tell me all the time, once you have it up in your head, they could never take it away from you. And that's that's so true. Once you learn stuff, um, you'll have it up there forever. And even with the MS that you can't remember right away, uh, it'll come to you. Somewhere and I used to tell people, hold on for a minute. And I'm getting it, you know, and I'd have to get in the right their mind the right thought and then the the answer would come up and I'd be able to get somebody an answer like a judge or uh, you know an attorney or whatever I had I had to deal with with a divorce just hold on a minute and uh, you get a little snippy with me the judge and uh, my attorney would have to tell me you don't understand he's got disease they're with him you know he'll give you the answer and, um, and they would listen to my attorney and then boom, and all of a sudden I have the answer and I give it to them. Um, but MS is not an easy disease. Not that it just affects your legs or your vision, but it's also mentally it affects you. And uh, so you don't have total recall. Um, but, you know, this is worse. You know, listen, I've had it since I was 24. I'm 62 now. And so if I get a nice light and everything, yeah, I guess I'll be able to produce some life. You know, I've got three kids. I've got two grandkids. And I'm sure I've got more on the way. And uh, it could have been a lot worse. Um, they weren't. Uh, just remember that nobody gets out of your life alive. And, you know, you've got to be a firm believer in Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, and then, then you understand a little bit about the people that came before you and the people that went before you. Because everybody goes, and uh, it's kind of like, what did you leave behind? What did you do good, or what did you do bad? And you don't want to be somebody that remember you for what you did that was bad. They wanted to remember you for what you did that was good. So, you know, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time to put me on this podcast, Um, because that's what you want to do is you want to let people know good things you know there's plenty of bad things that you, you can just turn on the news every day you find plenty of bad things yes yes you can yes you can yep. all right and then uh, shameless plug time so brag some more about you and then tell listeners how they could find you on social media and are there any foundations that you support or you want to share with us so we can help support them and the only thing I support, of course, is the MS uh, Foundation. Um, but, you know, it's just a money-making operation that, to bring in money for the research and everything. Um, so um, what else did you ask me? <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, yes. All right. Yeah, you know, the, uh, what else did you ask? 
Oh, I was asking. I, I said, that, that's okay. I was telling you to to brag about yourself and how can listeners find you on social media. Um, so, and we'll, well, we'll definitely give to the MS Foundations. I, I'm on, uh, okay, you can Google me. Google Joe Portale, P-O-R-T-A-L-E. Google Joe Portale, North Olmsted, O-L-M-S-E-D, the city I grew up in. And then the last few articles, they're kind of tell you, and I come up in the Yankee uniform and everything. Um, yes. I've been probably since I was 12 years old, so there's tons of articles in there. Um, and, uh, or I'm up, uh, my daughter put me up on Facebook. Uh, I'm up on Facebook. Um, yeah, she put me up on Facebook. She said, Baby, you're too good looking to not have anybody to go out with and everything like that. <laughs> so I think, I think she, she felt sorry for me. And the reason I'm decent looking is because my mother and father were both pretty good looking. I mean, that's why they got together years ago. And uh, so that was it. So I had nothing to do with any of that. Although I do get my hair cut and so I do, uh, which I have all of my own hair. It's all dark uh, black. It's all curly. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, for my age, you know, other than the MS, I'm uh, you're pretty good. So okay, so that's it. Good stuff. That is good stuff. Joe Portali, thank you again for coming on the show and sharing your story. Man, keep fighting. Uh, you, you've always been a fighter. You're a legend. You are the Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson of St. Edward High School, and, and I tell people that all the time. So thank you again for spending your valuable time on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. And, of course, I will keep in contact, and we'll talk soon. Chris, thank you very much. I appreciate it. To all your listeners, if you're listening to this guy. He's actually pretty decent, and he went to the same high school I did. They let me graduate, and they let him graduate. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I graduated from high school at St. Ed's. Oh, people didn't think you'd ever do that. Once I was going no. to college and coming out of college with a double major marketing of finance, those were two of the best things that I ever did. You know. Nice. Yeah, Mom, once that's... you learn it, you never you never forget it. That's all. So That's beautiful. That is beautiful. All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. It. No problem. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon.